Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Okay, welcome to the Better Pleasure Podcast. My name's Bo. I'm Peter. And we are with Running Light Ministries, which is a ministry that is a ministry out of Tucson, <laughs> isn't it? No, it's a it's a ministry that's for men, women, and wives, and uh, really all about issues of lust and how we deal it with it and how we talk about it and what does the Bible say about it and how to live in this culture, navigate um, in a biblical way through these things. So that's kind of what we do. There seems like so many things that we're involved in, <laughs> you know, so... Um, but the main point is really just to grow in Jesus. I mean, I think that's what the ministry is about. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we start our, we, we do some work in the Salvation Army. So we, we start up there next week, which will be awesome. And Pete just told me Hugh Hefner died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he passed away yesterday. Those of you guys who watched the news. So, man, what about that? And you were telling me that he lived a sad life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, they've, they've written a lot of articles about him and, which is just, it's like fascinating to me that they, they, they would have. I was just listening to one where um, they were examining like how feminists have viewed Hugh Hefner over the years. Mm-hmm. And like when he first started, all the feminists were totally anti-Hugh Hefner and the sure. Playboy movement. Oh, yeah. But now there's like a huge wave of feminists that were like, Hugh Hefner liberated us and he did all this sure. great stuff. So Absolutely. It's, it's interesting. But yeah, I was just telling Bo that uh, when they studied his life he actually came from a christian background and uh one of the main things in his life that kind of switched him to be the person that he was is that he was dating this girl and they were engaged and he was a virgin at the time and he was in his 20s and um they were about to get married and she ended up cheating on him and when that happened his life just kind of forked left and he uh he ended up marrying her but uh that was when he started Playboy. It was right after that. And he ended up cheating on her a bunch of times. She ended up leaving him. And then after that moment, he just uh, kind of did the whole, like, girlfriend, marrying younger women kind of thing, living, like, that Playboy lifestyle, if you want to call it that. And um, that was kind of how his life went. It just, like, it kind of grieved me a little bit because it's like, you know, here's a dude who uh, who did have a relationship with a girl and he loved her. And then he, he kind of forked in this way because he just felt betrayed. And uh, when you study that, you know, a lot of my buddies in the Marines, some of the biggest womanizers that I knew in the Marine Corps were guys who had had their hearts broken when they were younger, you know, dated a girl, she cheated on them, and then they just get convinced that women are out to burn me, and so I'll burn them first kind of deal, and that's what they did. So it's kind of sad, but that's that's what happens. I'm not surprised, though, I mean, with the the culture, because – you have such a pro-feminist lobby for pornography today, so um, of course they're gonna love Hugh Hefner. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and when you have so many women directors and people in marketing for, you know, adult entertainment, it, it just would go figure that that would they would he would be their champion. Yeah, you know for sure. Um, you know, it, it certainly is an a, an interesting life. Um, but, it, you know, I think all of us, though, you know, all of our lives are not much different than each other's. All mm. of us go through ups, goes down, areas of struggle, areas of, you know, don't do so well. Obviously, he really made some hardcore decisions. 
Um, I'm not too sure he's much different than some of the biblical characters <laughs> that we read about. Yeah. Um, even those that did walk with God. Yeah. Um, so one thing about Hugh, though, is I never have ever heard any interview with him ever talk about God or Jesus or anything like that. So I, I would imagine maybe he was an atheist. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, but uh, interesting, huh? Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. So uh, we're doing our second part of uh, this is our sixth part of our second part. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, the second part, though, of husbands, right. uh, which we're kind of going through a premarital class. So that's what kind of what this is. Mm. And we're discussing husbands and wives from Ephesians chapter five. And we've already spoke to wives and we're on husbands. The husband section in the, in the Bible is much longer. Mm. And that's why we're taking more time to go through it. So the first one we went through was verse 25. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And now we are at this section that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So what do you want to say about that to our men listeners, Peter? Uh, right here, it gives a very important and not a whole lot talked about um, job for men. Because I would say in church, you know, you hear very often Ephesians 5.25, loving your wife, giving yourself for her, sacrificial kind of love. I, I hear that often. Mm. But verse 26, I don't really hear talked about too much. You know, I, I actually don't really hear a lot of people like discussing verse 26. And I think that's a, that's a really big shame because what we see here is, is like we talked about last week, the concept of love in our culture is very abstract of like, you know, what does it really mean that I sacrificially love my wife? And we talked about looking at Jesus and things like that. But verse 26, I think, is the verse that really shows you how to do it. It says that he might sanctify, which is a, it's a word to make something holy, sanctify and cleanser with the washing of water by the word. So in essence, the one of my number one jobs as a husband is to help the sanctification of my wife. It's to encourage the sanctification of my wife before God. And the Bible tells me the way that I do that is through immersing her, like washing her in his word. And so as a husband, what that means for me is one of my greatest responsibilities is to be intimate with the word of God and to encourage my wife in the word of God. That's what I should be doing. Yeah, now a lot of, a lot of people um, that come to us for premarital counseling, they might get the idea from verse 26 that, oh, so what I need to do is like a Bible study with your, with my future wife. And, and nothing's wrong with that. That's great. Um, I, I think those are good things. Um, but it, it's not only that, is it? No, no. Uh, the idea of, and, and it's cool because, you know, in my time of ministry, hanging out with you, Bo, uh, I think one of the most impactful things that you said to me early on was you just said anyone can teach a Bible study but not everyone could live the Bible and that like really impacted me because it's so true where it's so easy for me to just dictate things to my wife right to go to my wife and be like honey 
Ephesians 5:23 says you got to submit to me, you know, like and a lot of people are like, "Oh, yeah, I wash my wife with the word because I do that," you know, like or or uh we're about to go somewhere. I'm like, "Man, you know, Hebrews 11 says this, you know, and I'm just whipping out passages and I'm like, that's washing my wife with the word." Or I'm like, "Lo, let's go through this book together." And again, like both said, nothing's wrong with that. Uh nothing's wrong with doing that. But this idea of washing your wife with the word and presenting her to God a glorious church not having spot uh, blemish or wrinkle, which is the next verse. It's not the idea of me just dictating things for my wife, but it's the idea of me living a particular life that almost like in osmosis, like motivates my wife to live a certain way. And let me show you my reasoning for see, for reading it that way. It's actually first Peter five. So we'll probably go to first Peter three at some point and talk about, uh, the husband's responsibility that Peter mentions. But in first Peter five, it talks about the idea of leading and Peter is talking to the elders of a church and how they're supposed to lead the fellowship. And one of his encouragements to them is he says, and I read this because I realize God has called me to be the, the head of my wife and to lead her. And so when the Bible talks about leadership, I should probably perk up and listen. And in verse two of chapter five, he says, Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So when Peter's encouraging the elders of how to lead the people of God and how to sanctify them, how to encourage their walk with God in such a way where they become more godly, he says, don't lord it over them, which would be the idea of dictating me going to my wife and saying, bam, you know, Ephesians five or blah, blah, blah. And just throwing out passages at her that and, and when I'm doing that, I'm lording it over her. I'm saying I'm the authority and I'm going to kind of use this to make you submit to me. Peter says, don't do that. But instead, meaning he's given you a parallel to follow. He says, instead be an example, which means that as a husband in my immersion in the scripture, I need to ask myself the question of, is it transforming me in such a way that my wife sees an example that when I'm talking to her about these things, I'm not just throwing out Bible passages, but she sees that the Bible is an authority over me, her husband, and it's moving me in a certain way. And from watching me, she's understanding how the Bible's supposed to move her. That's more what he's getting at. Um, it's more what Paul is talking about. Yeah, no, it's great, great points. You know, I always think of this when I, I always think of, of this kind of idea is sanctify and cleanse very priestly, hmm. you know, terms, meaning if you read the Bible and you re read the book of Leviticus or, or Exodus, um, you know, books like that, you're going to read about these people called the priest of God, right? And they always are sanctifying and cleansing themselves. Now, they're doing it with real water. Yeah. Um, and here it says the water of the word, um, which the word is Jesus. He is the word made flesh. Mm. And so I and, and the whole point of those priests to do the sanctifying and the cleansing with water, it was to set them apart to be used by God, to draw close to God. The word sacrifice actually means to be brought near. And so that was the whole point. And so I think even if someone wants to get married and a husband, one of the jobs that we have is to bring our wives near to God. Mm. And the way we do that is bring Jesus into their life. Mm. 
you know, the word. We do it by cleansing her, sanctifying her with the word, Jesus. Yeah. So how can I bring Jesus in? Now, for us guys, this is cool because we can get really um, creative. Yeah. You know, there's so many ways we can bring Jesus into our wife's life. Mm. It can be through, of course, praying with her. Mm. It can be through helping her understand the Bible and you both understanding the Bible better together, maybe through listening to sermons or maybe through watching sermons or reading the Bible or reading commentaries or there's so many ways to do that. It could be um, having um, Jesus on our minds when we go play sports or do recreations that we think about Christ and we want to glorify him and even those endeavors that we do or we want to reach out to people. We want to see open doors, you know, but you're always bringing Jesus into everything mm. with your wife, you know, and um, and so that's kind of how I, I see it as kind of a fun thing to do to yeah. sanctify, to cleanse with Jesus, you know, let's bring Christ into everything. And um, and sometimes it's not like you say, it's not so much with words. It's just with my action as a husband. Hmm. Am I bringing Christ into my life? And does she see that? Um, does she see my struggles? Does she see the times where I'm crying out to God? Does she see me spending time with God? Um, those are all washing her with Jesus. It's all showing her Christ. You know, so I think that's that's important. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's really well said, man. So, uh, with husbands, and and again, so different from our culture, where again we see marriage as just kind of something to make me happy, and hey, marriage is a very, very joyous thing. It's a very beautiful blessing that our Father has given us. But the purpose of marriage, the goal of marriage, is mutual sanctification for the glory of God. That's that's what it's supposed to do, um, and joy emanates from that. <laughs> But the primary goal is not joy. You know, if you just go into marriage looking for happiness, you're not going to find it. But the irony is if you go into marriage looking for the glory of God, you're going to find abundant happiness, like amazing amounts of happiness and joy together as you do this. Because what the Bible says is the major thing keeping us from happiness is actually sin and distance from God. So as a husband, the more I wash myself in the word and the more I wash my wife in the word, the happier we're becoming, the more in, in intimate we're becoming with Jesus, who is our joy, who is our, our sanity and our peace and all these other things. Like that's, that's how it happens. And there's like a gluing that takes place too. That's right. A drawing close, you know, to, to God together, which is, you know, in, in relationships, that's the strongest bond hmm. is a spiritual bond. You know, so as you guys draw close to God together, that's that's kind of what happens. So, yeah, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Mm -hmm. So very important. Very cool. I would encourage all the guys out there to think through that passage a little bit and kind of maybe write out like, hey, how can I set my wife apart? You know. Which is kind of cool. It's like a protection term, huh? To set apart. It's kind of a protection. Hey, is there something that's bothering my wife? Is there something, you know, am I praying for her? Am I interceding for her? Mm. Am I thinking about her? Am I setting her apart? Yeah. You know, um, am I concerned about her cleanliness? Yeah. You know? 
And, and I love like, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, you mentioned the priests and the Levites and how they would be sanctified before God through the washing of the waters of baptism and how they would come out cleansed. And it's, there's so many cool pictures there and there's so many things that we've talked about already and how that's working, interceding for your wife, praying for her, praying with her, helping her, encouraging her. All these things are very beautiful and they all fall under this umbrella. But there's another way that the Old Testament uses the word of sanctification that's very like romantic and cool, where God, when he's sanctifying his people, there's this very romantic undertones of it, of, uh, of what a man does when he, en he engages himself to a woman. And that's, that's kind of what the, the picture of the Bible is, is that a man comes to a woman and he gives her an engagement ring, and that sets her apart for him where he's saying this relationship is special, it's unique, it's exclusive, it's just me and you, and that was kind of the deal. And um, in the Bible, God does the same thing with us. He gives us his spirit, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians that that spirit is a guarantee, almost like an engagement ring for his bride, that we become exclusive with just God, and it's very romantic, it's very cool. But what Paul's talking about, he also mentions in First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, sorry, where he talks about betrothing the church of Corinth to Christ and how he becomes jealous for them. And Paul's view there is his love for the church of Corinth made him jealous for their relationship with Christ. And I think about that in my own relationship with my wife of, of like, am I jealous for my wife's relationship with Jesus? You know, meaning, yeah, that do I, I want it to grow? Do I want it to grow? Do I want it to get better? Do I want it to get stronger? Because selfishly, the truth is in my heart is that I want my wife just for me. That's the truth. I wish it wasn't true, but it is the truth. I want my wife for me. Right. And what God says is if I hold on to my wife, I'm going to lose her. Right. She's going to, our relationship's going to slip through my fingers like sand. Right. But if I let her go to God, he binds us together and he makes uh, a, a binding that's so exclusive and so beautiful and so special that can't be broken apart, right? A three-chord strand is not easily broken. But um, so that's that's one of the, the things, the beautiful things that comes out of the sanctification process of me setting my wife apart, not just for me, but mainly for God, setting her apart to God that she might grow in him. And then through that, we grow together. Mm, that's so important. You know, you always have to remember, I think, a line from Blaise Pascal, and that is, you know, he says, we're all going to die alone. Mm. And that's the reality of it. Mm. You know, we are, your spouse is going to die by themselves. Yeah. You know, you can't enter their body <laughs> and, and go through it with them. Yeah. It's going to be alone. And so you want to make them dependent on God in, the, in those times. That's how you build their faith mm. is to make them dependent on God. And so that's the best thing we can do. Yeah, and you make it, you make your relationship so much stronger. Because think about all the, the wicked things that come out of us when we don't do that. You know, when I'm when I'm controlled by fear, for my wife, fear for our relationship. Um, if I have a fear towards our relationship, I'm going to be jealous. I'm going to be manipulative. I'm going to be controlling. I'm going to try everything I can to keep her where I want her. Um, and I, I'll call that love. I'll be like, well, I just love you so much right. that you got to be close to me. That's what we all call me. it. That's what we call it. But the truth is I'm being selfish as I want her for me. And I'm not saying that your best good isn't me, but it's God, you know? And 
the more I point her to God and say, he's your rock, he's your foundation, he's the person that you need to go to, is getting her ready for trials, it's getting her ready for things. But another amazing thing that it does is it allows me to breathe because I realize the weight of Emma, the weight of my wife, isn't squarely on my shoulders. It's not like it's my responsibility right. to get it. Because if I feel like it's my responsibility, that's a weight that'll crush you. No person is meant to bear it and no person can. You know, I cannot bear my wife's salvation on my shoulders. Jesus did, but I can't. You know, I cannot bear my wife's sanctity on my shoulders, you know, her purity on my shoulders. It just can't work. And all that fear and all that control is going to end up driving her away from me. But if I can trust God, then the beautiful thing is I could just rest. You know, I have a personal story with that. There's a passage in, in the New Testament that says to die is to gain. Hmm. Can't think where exactly it is right now. Do you remember where that passage is? Talking about Philippians 1. He says to, to live as Christ, to die is gain. Yes, yeah. Philippians 1. And my wife always quotes it. She always says, to die is gain. You know, I can't wait to be with the Lord, which is from Second Corinthians chapter 5. To, to be with God is far better, Paul says, than to be with you guys <laughs> on the earth. But uh, right now I'm here, you know. Uh, but he says far better to be yeah. with God. And my wife always conveys that idea to me that, you know, because as we get older, you know, things don't work as right, our bodies get tired, we feel yucky, and she just longs to be perfected, longs to be whole. Mm. And, and, and it's such a beautiful faith mm. to say that and to believe it and to say I, to die is to gain. Mm. And, and if today's the day I die, praise God. Mm. I am ready to meet my maker. Mm. I mean, that's an awesome faith right there yeah and and but in my heart i tend to be like oh man like really <laughs> like that's a bummer you know and i have to really watch it because i can through my optimism i can easily squander that faith and be like oh man that's a bummer you want rather be with god than with me <laughs> like oh you know what i mean you should want to be with me I'm and the, the kids best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and you kind of get that selfish going you yeah. know which isn't good you know you have to look at it and go man you know what she's saying is to be with christ is what she longs for mm. and to have the peace that is going to be with all of us when we're in the presence of our savior yeah it's going to be amazing yeah and 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 she longs for that and yeah. so i i should encourage that not not but that's how <laughs> selfishness comes <laughs> in there you know yeah no i know exactly what my you own mean. personal confession there <laughs> i know exactly what you mean and i i feel like we like i need to balance this really quickly because everything we're saying is correct but the sinful heart man twists all things even the word of god and uh, there have been so many times where I know I've, I've taught things like this and I've heard Bo teach things like this and people have gone way away. You know, they've just taken their selfish inclinations and they've magnified them through the word of God. And what they'll do is they'll be like, you know, their wife will come to them and be like, honey, you know, I'm so sad. You know, like I had a really rough day and they'll be like, you need to go to God. That's All right. You know, I don't. It's not about me. All right. It's about it's about the Lord. You know, you need That's to right. go to him. <laughs> it's like, you know, is that right? Well, Technically, but it's also wrong because God expects you to sanctify her and wash her with the word. He doesn't say, husbands, you're off the hook. You don't have to do anything because I'll take care of it. Yeah. You know, you'll screw it up anyway. No, he says that I'm giving you a responsibility. And, hey, if you, if you have a husband mess up that responsibility, which you will, like I will, it's 
my wife's going to be fine because God has her, but I will lose out on the joy of being with her on that journey towards Christ. Yeah, and re- you have to remember that when it says wash her, you know, by the word, mm. you know, again, it, it, the word is in you. Jesus is in you. Mm. Um, you know, it's Jesus's life through you that he's yeah. using. Yeah. And so, you know, Jesus in us is the hope of glory. <laughs> so, yeah, it certainly doesn't mean we just point them to Christ and yeah. say, hey, man, you got to deal with that with God. <laughs> you know, No, it's like, you know, no, it's Christ in us. It's how, you know, Jesus is in us living this life out through us. Yeah. Jesus wants to touch our wives through us. Yeah. And and so he's going to use our body, our mouth, every everything of us Hmm. you know so yeah we have a responsibility to surrender um to god yeah and uh first john 4 verse 12 i think puts it the best it says no one has seen god at any time but if we love one another god abides in us and his love has been perfected in us Mm -hmm. and that's such a beautiful passage because what john is getting at is he's saying no one's seen god i haven't seen god i haven't been in his presence i haven't talked to him face to face I, i i haven't But what he's saying is that if God really is love, then the closest you can get to God is loving each other. That's the nearest you're going to get to God this side of heaven. And so he says when you die to yourself and you put your wife before you and you begin to enter into her suffering and her trials and pointing her to Christ, what he's saying is you're then entering into the love of God and you're growing closer to God as a result. Like you're getting nearer to him. You're seeing him more clearly as a result of that's what you're doing. Um, which is why, again, it's it's ridiculous to me. I've heard husbands say this, especially when they're going through major marital problems where they say, man, I, I love God, but I don't know if I really love my wife. I'm like, well, it's kind of impossible. <laughs> the Bible says it's contradictory because how can you love God who you haven't seen, but yet you hate your wife who you see every day? Like yeah. that that's illogical that doesn't make any sense god has called you to love and to wash and to sanctify your wife that you might grow together with him you know that's the whole point that's great and we're we're going to end the podcast there um we'll keep it under a half an hour this time <laughs> <laughs> but uh it, it's such a good passage of course we got more to touch on with husbands we're going to hammer the husbands because we are husbands ourselves mm. so uh it's good for us we can relate for sure so we hope it's a blessing to those that are listening as well you guys can always ask us questions at peter at runninglight.org or bo at runninglight.org and check out our website uh, runninglight.org so we'll talk to you guys later bye Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.